want apple juice. Lucas wants apple juice. I know, I heard him can say I that. Can I have apple juice? Yeah, you can have apple juice. Can I have soda? Yes, you can have soda. Can I press that button? No, you can't press that button. Why? Because that's going to play the theme song. I'm not ready to start Click. the pot. What is up, guys? James Gutman here on iPod. I'm Dad. Welcome back to another edition of the podcast. It is uh, Friday. It is uh, right in the midst of January. We're closing out the first month of 2022 because time does not slow down for anything. Thank you for finding me, whether it's on HiPodOnDad.com or any of the streaming services. You can find me everywhere. I'm all around you. I'm, I'm ever-present. So thank you so much for tuning in and taking a listen. I really appreciate it. This has been a good week, man. It's been a an opening week where I've really opened up about a lot of stuff. I had two blog posts this week on highblogomdad.com. As you guys know, we're closing on the five-year anniversary of highblogomdad. I actually just got an email from WordPress congratulating me on five years of signing up with them. First blog post beginning of February 2017. So it's exciting. It's a pretty cool thing. I can't believe it's been five years already. And as time goes on, as you start getting comfortable with the situation or writing and getting things out there, uh, at least for me, I feel more comfortable being able to talk openly and then tell more and more stories. I go back to the beginning and I look at that versus now. Uh, and there's stories that I've told you guys, things I've written about, things I've said that have shocked me that I've, I've done, you know, things I never expected I would talk about. I'm sure five years from now, it'll be even crazier stuff. This past week, I talked first on Monday, um, about those moments as a special needs parent that sometimes shake me a little bit, the moments that make you question yourself and whether or not you see your child in a light that the rest of the world doesn't see them in. Um, and it's, it's positive and negative. There are definitely positive moments with my nonverbal son where I'll say an achievement that he's made and then suddenly worry like, oh, that's, that's kind of a small thing. And then I get concerned about his future. And I, uh, you know, I said a lot of the things that he does now are going to maybe be different when he has a mustache, you know, and at the rate he's going, he's going to need, you know, assistance pretty much for the rest of his life. I'm okay with that. I'm aware of that, but it does sometimes drag you back, knock you down a little bit. Sometimes he'll do things negative that just rock my world too. I'm like, oh my God. And then you worry, like, does he understand? Does he really? So I wrote about that on Monday. That was something that I wanted to word in the right way, but at the same time, I know a lot of people relate to it because I'm friends with special needs parents. I know special needs parents, and I just know parents in general. Even my daughter, who is not on the autism spectrum, she's neurotypical, she's 13. There are moments where I worry. I'm like, oh my God, is she spoiled? Is she rude? Is she all these things go through your head? And sometimes it'll pull you out of the moment. It takes a little while to, to get back. Sometimes it's immediate, sometimes it's soon. Same thing with my son. So I wanted to talk about that. On Wednesday, I wrote a story that I've discussed on here before, briefly, uh, about when I fell under a train at eight years old. I talked about it as part of one of the episodes here. Uh, I think it was five things you don't know about me, you might not know, or 10, I forgot how many numbers it was, but we talked about it already, briefly. I went a little more in detail about it, talked about the situation, talked about, you know, perhaps responsibilities for those uh, who were involved with it, but mostly about the PTSD that came with it and the trauma that it 
caused and how I kind of tried to get over that and how hopefully I did. So that was good to be able to talk about. It's part of a, a bigger picture and it's by no means, I mean, it could be one of the more, more, I should say severe, not most, but more severe stories that I have from that time period, but definitely one that when I bring it up to people, like what, you know, it's a really, it's a surprising story. So that's something I talked about. I never thought I would speak about uh, or write about because it's a difficult subject for me um, to deal with, to come out of and, and to look back on. I have people that still come to me that I knew at that time period, parents of friends from elementary school who were like, I always remembered the train. And I'm like, yeah, me too. You know, we're all, I'm with you, me and you. Eye to eye on that. So I wrote about it. And again, it felt good to get that story out. And it made me want to come on here and maybe do that, you know, with something else that's been in my head throughout my life. I want to tell you guys a story that I've wanted to tell for a while. And it's one that I never was even sure if I ever would tell on here because it doesn't paint me in the best possible light. But I feel like a lot of what makes a difference in this podcast and the blog are things that don't put me in the best possible light. I think it's important to learn from it and important to be honest with you guys about it. And this is one of those stories. All right. I was in high school, right? My senior year of high school. And I had a teacher, we'll call her Ms. Christmas. Okay. Not her real name, obviously. You know, Merry Christmas. If you guys know what I'm talking about, it makes sense. She was a health teacher. She was the 12th grade health teacher. And she was, shall we say, hippy-dippy. She had the kids call her by her first name. We sat in a circle. We shared compliments with each other and warm, fuzzy stories. We spent class listening to songs and talking about what they meant to us. To this day, I'm not entirely sure what the point of the class was. All I know is that even at the time we were in the class, it felt like a very kind of inappropriate back and forth with this teacher. She was the kind of teacher that would like hang out with some of the kids once in a while and uh, have them come by her house. She saw the kids almost as her equal. You know, we wouldn't have, she wouldn't talk to us as a teacher. If she had to discipline somebody, we all worked together to discipline them. It was a very bizarre layout of the class. And she was the kind of teacher where the other teachers didn't really like her. I knew this for a fact. I had a situation at one point where she tried to get me in trouble and I went to another teacher and he helped me get out of it simply because he hated her. And what she would do, to give you guys an idea, she would have us all open up about our lives with each other, talk about things that bothered us. And everybody did. At one point or another, everybody in that classroom talked about their personal lives. And for not everybody, but for a lot of us, for me, for another kid in the class, she used that information against us when she wanted to get something. In my case, she wanted me to go on a field trip. Um, my grown-ups, as they call them now, at home didn't want to pay for it. So she called my grown-ups and told them that I hated them. So things like that were what she would do. Amazingly, this isn't even what the story is about, about Ms. Christmas. We're in class, right? And you have to understand something. I was 17 years old. And in my youth, I don't even know how to explain it. I wasn't, I don't want to say raised to be tolerant or raised to be intolerant, you know, because I think when you say intolerant about whether it's a group or a, you know, demographic of people, 
people immediately jump to the worst case scenario. If you say, like, I was raised not to like this particular ethnicity, immediately people think that, like, you were raised to exclude them or hate them or hurt them, when a lot of times you're just kind of raised to not understand them, which is what I was raised to do by the people in my life. I wasn't raised to hate people. I wasn't raised to exclude people or do terrible things to people, but I was raised to not understand them, to think that I was different than other people. And there were different groups that I really was not, you know, that's not where I came from. I didn't come from that type of an environment, which is surprising to people now because I'm completely not like like that now. But as a kid, you are. As a kid, you mirror what you know and what you see. And one of those groups was gay people. To the best of my knowledge, at that age, I didn't know any gay people. I hadn't met any gay people. I just knew gay people through what I was told and through, you know, uh, how they were so different and stay away or a joke here or things like that. And I would hear all these things, not just from people in my age group, but from adults, like everybody around me kind of had their own opinions. And I also had, I don't say those opinions because it almost sounds ridiculous because I didn't know anybody to be able to make those opinions. The town that I grew up in, um, was not really ethnically diverse to an extent. It's gotten a lot better now. It also was not very big. I mean, this is the 90s. So, you know, it wasn't where people were out of the closet as openly as they are now. You know, people weren't open about who they were and what they did. So I didn't know. I didn't know any of this stuff. All I knew was that I was different. And my views on especially gay people were so ridiculous because I didn't know anything that I would say things that were just boneheaded and stupid. So I'm in this health class, right? And we're talking about music because that's what you do in health class, right? You talk about music. It's freaking stupid. And the subject of Melissa Etheridge came up. Melissa Etheridge was a big deal in the 90s. I don't know if she still is now. But I said, you know, I, I have a, a Melissa Etheridge CD at home. and I, You know, she's all right. She's okay. I, I mean, her music's okay. I like it. I just don't, I don't personally relate to it. I can't understand it. And somebody's like, what are you talking about? Why can't you relate to the Melissa Etheridge CD? And I was like, I, well, you know, because she's, she's gay. She's singing to a woman, right? So she's singing to a woman. and I'm not gay. How do I understand that? I'm not, I can't relate to those songs. And, and all of a sudden, you know, certain people are now questioning it. I'm looking over and the teacher is kind of giving me that like, that smirky look, you know? She's not involved in this conversation at all. She's not correcting my behavior. She's not telling me examples. She's not explaining anything to me. She's just kind of smirking at me, right? Letting the kids talk to me. And not a lot of them did. It was only like two or three. And this girl that was sitting right by me, who I grew up near, who I liked, we used to hang out. I would play basketball with this girl. Um, she goes, I forgot. And this is how ridiculous. I don't even remember what she said. She said something that disputed what I was saying, trying to explain to me why that doesn't make any sense. So I said to her, I go, look, I said, what I'm saying is like, I'm, I'm straight, right? Now, let's say, let's say you were gay. And as soon as I said it, someone in the classroom gasped. <gasps> I went, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Now, keep in mind, again, I'm raised to think that there's something bizarre about this lifestyle. I'm raised to not understand it. I'm raised to think, and when I say raised, I mean everybody. I don't just mean, you know, uh, in my own house. I mean, just all around me, everybody around me. Gasped. And I'm... So now I feel like I've insulted her. This is how warped my view was of the gay lifestyle. I think by simply saying, let's say you were gay, I've now insulted her. I also thought maybe she's gay. Oh my God, what did I do? So here, this should give you an idea 
of how off track I was in my 17-year-old thinking. I thought to myself in that moment immediately, you better say something to fix this because you've now said this. Now it's going to sound like you're accusing her of being gay, which in my mind was an insult. It wasn't a lifestyle. It was like simply saying, let's say you were gay, in my head was almost like I insulted her. That's how messed up I was in my thinking. So I said, get ready for this, buckle up. I said to her, you know, let's just say you were gay, which uh, it would be a shame if you were. (laughs) And in my head, I thought that was like making everything better. And there were more gasps, like louder and more pronounced gasps. And I went, in my head, I'm like, I better shut the hell up. I don't know what I'm saying. (laughs) I'm totally screwing up. So I shut up. I don't know what happened for the rest of the class, but that's what happened. And I felt stupid when I left, right? Next day, class takes place. And we walk in and we're in our big stupid circle again, sharing things. And Ms. Christmas turns and she goes, um, I, I think before we begin today, we have something to say. Um, Carrie, which was the girl that I had said would be a shame if she was gay. Carrie, I think, has something to say to everybody. And I went, oh my God. And I remember I reached over to this girl I was friends with in the class and I squeezed her arm. She's like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh my God, I know, I know what's coming. She's like, what? And Carrie goes, yeah, I'm gay. And everyone stopped and turned and looked at me. And I was like, huh, you know, stone, oh my God, wow. And she goes, and I would like feedback from the class. And we went around the circle. Everybody loved her. Everybody was proud of her. I said, what was the truth for me at the time and is still to this day, I said, it doesn't matter to me that you're gay. I have nothing against you being gay. You're my friend. I hang out with you. I still want to hang out with you. I have no problems with you. I'm cool with you. We're cool. And as I did, I remember Miss Christmas kind of like smirking that same stupid, ugh, that same stupid smirk. I remember feeling so vilified and put on this like terrible, you know, putting on blast, I guess you could say, whatever the kids would say today. I felt awful. I felt like I had was the worst person in the world. After that class was over, people in the class who went around, everybody loved her and stuff, people who everybody thought was so tolerant were the ones who were saying the slurs that I guess they would have assumed I would say, which I didn't. In fact, when I got home that day, I went to her house and I knocked on the door and I said, I don't know what that was about, but look, I'm okay with you. I'm not, I don't hate you. I never said anything that would imply that I would have hated you if you were gay. I just simply didn't understand, didn't really know how to express thoughts on something I didn't know about, you know? And I wasn't, I wasn't mad at the time. I wasn't upset. As time went on, I, I looked back on my age and, and kind of how it was handled. And, and I don't know, I don't think I should have been used at the expense of this person's you know major moment of coming out. And I think the teacher really um, didn't need to give her a villain in order to do it. I think it should have been something she could have done on her own. And I don't think that I deserve to be the villain because I wasn't I wasn't the villain that day. I was somebody who didn't know any better. Um, So I didn't have an issue with this girl. And it bothered me. It bothered me that this 
intolerant, stupid way of approaching the world that had been taught to me was so wrong. And that when given the opportunity to correct that behavior or to understand where I was coming from and help me see the right way, this teacher, this person who was tasked in my life with doing that instead made me into a negative example for other people to kind of point at. That's the bad guy. Now, before you think that I'm just being like, oh, well, you know, maybe she was a good teacher besides that. She, she wasn't. She was an awful person. And I'm going to tell you, I came back the next year to the school to visit or I forgot the reason I was there, but I was wearing my University of South Carolina hat. I spent my first semester after high school at South Carolina. And again, my home life was very rough. I had a lot of stuff going on. Things were not good for me. Uh, As you guys know, I've talked before, I'm bipolar. I was going up and down. My moods were all over the place. I was dealing with a lot. And I ran into Miss Christmas. She said, how are you? And we talked for a few minutes. I'm like, oh, good, good, good. She goes, how you been? How's South Carolina? How was great? I'm like, I just got back in yesterday. I'm like, the guy next to me on the plane was a real dick. But like, other than that, like, it was good. And we kind of laughed, you know, kind of just threw a joke out there. For some inexplicable reason, she decided to send out a newsletter to all the kids in our class, even though we had graduated the year prior. Came in the mail. And I read the newsletter, and the newsletter talked about what everybody was doing from a year ago. I don't know what gave her the right to do that, but she figured, you know, I guess she's bored and everything else going on. And you're reading the things, you know, I love catching up with my old students. Mary Ellen is making puka shell necklaces with her mom. She's a beautiful soul. We're all proud of her. I ran into James Gutman outside the school. He was wearing his University of South Carolina hat. He told me the guy next to him on the plane ride over was, quote, a real dick. Oh, well, I guess some things never change. I hated her. I still hate her to this day. And she's still inappropriate. She's still friend requesting people on Facebook and all that stuff. Not a teacher anymore. Who knows what happened? Who cares? But I'm going to tell you what Ms. Christmas taught me. Because she did teach me something. Nothing to do with homosexuality. Nothing to do with tolerance. Nothing to do with accepting people or understanding people. She taught me something that to this day... I teach to my own daughter. My daughter deals with kids in class who are at times batshit insane. She comes to me with stories of these kids saying things and acting a certain way. You know, daddy, I don't understand. She does this. She's annoying. She's that. And I tell her the same thing every time. I say, look, Olivia, don't You don't have to be friends with people like that. You don't have to have them in your life. And you don't have to, you know, obviously let people say mean things to you. But you have to understand people have their own lives outside of here. And some of those kids might be going through stuff. And in some of these examples of kids that she talks about, I know their parents. And I know that these kids have a pretty whacked out home life. And I'll be like, you don't know what people go through. So I'm not saying that you need to be buddies with this person. I'm not saying that you need to hang out with this person, but try to understand everybody doesn't have the same home life. A lot of kids are going through things at home. A lot of kids are dealing with something, being taught something, being treated a certain way. They go through a lot. That's it. You don't have to be best buddies with them. You don't have to forgive everything they do. You just got to keep it in mind and you got to cut everybody a little bit of slack because you don't know what they're dealing with. And that's it. If it's a 15-year-old, a 16-year-old, 17-year-old, 
saying some stupid, ridiculous things like, it would be a shame if you were gay, which is, I mean, you say it out loud, it's stupid. As an adult, I would try to help that kid and teach them and say, what does, what does that even mean? Do you understand what that means? Where are the grownups? Where are the grownups? And please, if somebody sends us over to Ms. Christmas, you know, you were the grown-up, you were the teacher. You knew better, you should have helped me be better because that's what a teacher does. Do you know when I really learned about gay people and, and the fact that these people aren't different at all from who I am? It's when I got out of that school and when I met people, when I was in a fraternity with brothers who were gay. When I got out of school and I had jobs working with people who were gay. And this isn't even one of those stories where you turn around and you go, well, I didn't even know he was gay. Until, these are people, I worked with a guy who was open, who told you right off the bat, I knew as soon as I met him. And he was the coolest dude ever. And I remember thinking to myself, how silly is this, man? This guy's cool. It has nothing to do with anything. This whole time I was taught this and I was taught that and I was told this and I was told that and it was wrong. And it would have been nice to have somebody come along and set me straight instead of making me the example for everyone else. So, I don't know. Merry Christmas. That always bothered me. I'm really glad that I could tell you guys about it because it's something that really, it stuck with me. God, it still does. It still gets under my skin when I think about it. And it's really funny because I do these audios and I talk about, you know, traumatic stories and I went through this and I went through that. But this is one of the few times where I tell a story and I'm like, ugh, I feel like I'm back there again, just being, I don't know, this fun show. (laughs) Everybody bothers me, bothers me a lot. Don't do that to your kids, you know, raise them to be better. Don't, don't treat them like it's too late when they're kids, especially if you're going to be a teacher. God, need some sanity. Hi, pod. This is your moment of sanity. This is your second moment of sanity, although you don't know it because you didn't hear the first one. I recorded the first one. It was all set to be added to this podcast. It was a cheeky little, um, you know, I miss my cat. My daughter FaceTimes me with the cat when I don't see the cat. It's sweet and I do miss my cat. And I've talked about the cat before. Tipsy, it's been like a year now. I thought I would see her more. I got divorced. Uh, I saw her a lot in the beginnings. I got my furniture, and then it was my daughter's birthday. But then it's been like eight months. I don't see her. My daughter FaceTimes me with the cat. I used to think it was annoying. Started to realize that it was sweet, and that she knew I missed the missed the cat. Sounds cute, right? It's nice. Little memes, you can imagine little cats in your uh, in your imagination. How adorable. That's not what this moment of sanity is about, and I'll tell you why. It is because it is 9 o'clock in the morning, I just got back, and I have to share with everybody listening to this that for 45 minutes, every morning that I have my kids, I want to fight everyone because nobody knows how to drop their kids off at school. Do you know who tries to kill me in the morning dropping my kids off at school? Everybody. School buses school buses try to kill me and my kids first thing in the morning. Why? I don't know. Everybody's mad. Everybody's trying to get to a little spot. Everybody's trying to fight each other for this spot. There's absolutely no rhyme or reason to the way drop-off is done. There's a line 
of cars that go down the block to drop the kids off. When I was a kid, it was just like, there was the door. And just get to the door, right? So you just throw the kids out of the car. We'd walk to school. We'd get out. Now it's like, you have to line up. There's some like, you know, dillweed and he's like waving you on. He's telling you to stop. They're telling you to move up more, move up more, move up more, move up more. And they're not even looking at you. They're just moving their hands. You want to punch that guy in the head. Oh my God. My daughter drives me nuts. She has to be there exactly at the time that they open the doors, but not too early, not too late. She doesn't want to wait around inside. She doesn't want to be late in miss class. So there is literally a 30-second window that she is content with us getting there in time for. It drives me nuts. Get out. Get out of the car. I'll see you later. And she runs out. Oh, she slams it up. I'm like, what are you mad about? And out. She's gone. Then it's me and my son, Lucas. We have, you know, like 40 minutes. Before he goes into school, sometimes we go back to the house. Sometimes we don't. It's really kind of a pain in the ass to go back to the house anyway. We go back. He watches TV. Sometimes he gets upset. He doesn't want to leave again. I don't want to deal with that. He's tired. I'm tired. He likes to drive around. Today we drove around because it was pouring rain. So we drove around. Got lost. That was fun. You go down side streets. He's just looking out the window. I'm like, this is fun, man. We're having fun, right? We're going to head back to the school soon. Next thing I know, I'm like, why do I see the mall? I don't know why the mall is there. I'm like, we're not even near the mall. I'm like, oh my God. Don't know where I am. Don't really hang out around the side streets by his school. Here's a boneheaded thing for his school. Check this out. And you guys tell me what you think about this. I have a handicap placard for my car. One of those things that you hang on the the rear view. I only use it when I have him and it's kind of needed. You know, sometimes we'll go to a place and he could walk and he's in a good mood. I don't use it. If I'm by myself, I don't use it. If I'm with my daughter, don't use it. But for him, I use it. His school has one, two handicap spots by the door where he goes in. Yet, the special needs program has like, I don't know, 18 kids, 15 kids, right? You figure if, if six of them, seven of them, eight of them drive to school, walk to school, that's seven or eight handicap spots. And you go, all right, James, look. Not all of them are going to use handicapped spots. It's all right. It's not a big deal. Just park wherever you, you know, you take the spot. You know, don't worry about other people. That would be great, except that the handicapped spots at my kid's school are blocked by the school buses. School buses are literally lined up on the handicapped spots to bring the kid in. So I have to fight all these other, uh, what's that word? Dillweeds to get my kid into school. And that's what I did again this morning, parking across the street. I open the door. He does this little cheeky thing. He doesn't want to get out. So he stretches really far. So now I'm grabbing and I get annoyed. Tell him you're getting out of the car, dude. And I grab his little feet and I pull his feet out of the car. Can you stand up? Please take his hands, stand him up. He looks at me like, what are you doing? I'm like, yo, you're getting out of the car, dude. We're going. It's raining on me. That's morning drop off. You know? And it's funny because as a kid, I watched Mr. Mom. You guys know Mr. Mom? The movie Mr. Mom. Sometimes I feel like Mr. Mom. You know, um, not married when I was, wasn't Terry Gar. So I know what drop off was expected to be like. Drop off was expected to be, you know, annoying. Drop off in the north, pick up in the south, whatever the thing was on TV. As bad as it was in Mr. Mom, it is 10,000 times worse than what Michael Keaton went through. 10,000 times worse. It's insane. It is mass chaos. I'm shocked every morning that me and my children don't get killed. Every morning. 
by bus drivers, school bus drivers that were supposed to, you know, be careful out if you're on the road. Be careful, the school bus. Oh, school bus. You hear stories about school buses. Oh, no, poor school buses. Screw that guy driving the school bus or the lady or hail to the bus driver, bus driver man. Drives me nuts. So what's the moment of sanity? The moment of sanity is that I'm home. I'm back. I drop them off, drinking coffee, sitting at my computer, getting ready to to do work. And as annoying as work is, I am no longer dropping the kids off. I am no longer fighting the school bus people and the other people and all of you parents who can't freaking drive. Oh, I don't like you people. And now you know what's really crazy too is that you want to fight them, right? As you're driving them and you're driving your kids to school and you look around and these people are cutting you off and they're getting in your face, you, I mean, you want to, you want to give them, you know, fingers and yell and curse and, and curse in languages that you don't even speak. You just want to go nuts on everybody. But these are your kids' friends, teachers, people that they can interact with every day. So the last thing you need to do is be like, you know, Go back to Jersey, jerk off. And then you look out the window and it's like, you know, that's my Spanish teacher. <laughs> that's great. That is fantastic. So you got to be nice to them on top of it. So, you know, they always say your your enemies come with smiles on their faces. It has never been truer than morning drop off. So screw morning drop off. Screw all you people. Screw the bus drivers. Screw them all. And make room for the handicap spots. You guys drive me nuts. Um, but luckily, I'm back. I'm done. Now I'm sane. Feel a little bit of sanity. Drinking some coffee. Feeling better. Thankfully, that does it for me. Guys, it has been a good week. It has been a real you know, open and shut week for me. Telling stories I didn't think I'd tell. Things I've been getting messages from people. You really fall under a train? Yes, I really fell under a train. Therapeutic. And I appreciate you guys giving me that opportunity. That does it for me. Until next Friday, this is James Gutman saying, um, be well. Bye, pod. I'm dead. <laughs>